So do you think that this is the, is the drug angle because of, I mean, it, it seems to have multiple uses for the upper echelons of the U.S., you know, establishment, the, 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 you know, the upper echelons of capitalism, really, that you in these areas where you establish the drug trade, you also open up things for all kinds of financing, anti-communist operations and killers and so yeah. on financed by this. And I mean, the, the, the communism as for the, the way it's presented to Americans is that, oh, it, it is going to be so threatening to free speech and our, our democratic liberties. But we see that the you know the American state doesn't mind cracking down on 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 these things. Communism as the uh, and you know, something that threatens the divine right of profit making for the, the most powerful people in our society. I mean, you can see why they are they would be wanting to fanatically crush everything and call everything communist. That God, it, work, it works on many levels. First of all, there's the uh, you know, we maintain a, a huge army. We, we have the kind of army that a country would have if it felt it was about to be invaded. Russia feels, you know, when we put U.S. armies in Iraq and Afghanistan, I know, because I was there, that the Russian reaction, including among liberals, was we're being surrounded by U.S. armies. So you see why they have a huge army. But for the Americans to have an army, they have to have an enemy. And so the enemy was communism. And at the beginning, I think it was a genuine fear, whether it was, you know, a correct fear or not, that's secondary. But but they really, you know, Germany was a total mess, and the only real opposition to Hitler had been the communists. And they were worried that, legitimately worried, in the late 40s, that Germany, Italy, and France would go communist. So then you had an enemy, and now by an, after the Berlin Wall went down, you could no longer pretend that communism was an enemy. So bingo, terrorism became the enemy, and is still the enemy, and plays the role that communism did before, and now it's getting a bit complicated, but with the war in Ukraine, the... Uh, the military-industrial complex, which continues to... It's not just that we have a grossly inappropriate besides armed forces. It's also that we are like 60 or percent, 70 percent of the arms trade in the world. And when we try to get countries to join our alliances, that means that they really it means they have to buy our arms because that's the standard arms for NATO or whatever. And then there are certain areas, going back now to the 50s, which we're talking about, the U.S. only had, it had an army in Europe, it had an army in Japan. There were other areas where we didn't have armies, but drug traffickers have armies because they're, they're very, in a very exposed places with a very expensive and desirable commodity, so they defend themselves. And that's where the CIA, I think, its first motive, above all, was to uh, make alliances with people with local armies, which you could then use for your purposes, which they did in the Middle East, which they did in Thailand. And that meant that... Um, when these people wanted to take over a democratic state, as they did in Thailand, and it's 
succession of coups. It's very interesting. The first coup was 47, and I think that uh, Willis Byrd, who was working with the world, I believe, well, I, he has to have been working with the World Commerce Corporation. He was being financed by somebody. There's no one else you can think of who was there, but the World Commerce Corporation was definitely there. They were financing James Thompson. Um, and uh, then certainly in 50, uh, Willis Byrd didn't just support the 1950 coup, which installed Pao Sri Anon, the chief of police, as the new dictator. He became the number one drug trafficker in the world at that time, and the American press called him the richest man in the world, installed by, among other people, not single-handedly, but Willis Byrd was part of a cabal that installed Pao Srianon. And meanwhile, Truman's policy was, you know, we want to foster democracy. His ambassador wanted to follow, foster democracy. Um, and uh, there is a plaintive message from the embassy to Washington saying, why is this man um, uh, Bird? They didn't give us first. Now, why is this man Bird allowed to go against our orders to the chief of police? That was, in fact, Pao Srianon. Uh, and so the, it, what looks like the U.S. presence officially is the, on the losing side of a feeble campaign for democracy that has been absolutely trumped by Willis Byrd. Some people think he was OPC, but I think, no, he was working with OPC. And Paul Halliwell in Miami had supported him by creating C-Supply, I think it's called a CIA proprietary. Um, but a proprietor was working with Byrd. I think Byrd... If he was working for somebody, I think it was Donovan and the World Commerce Corporation. But as I say, I don't know. That's a mysterious level where I can. I think we can safely say private power had a policy of anti-democracy, uh, drug supported by the drug trade in many parts of the world. You cannot look at Byrd and say, oh, he was just a vigorous loner, because the same thing was happening in the Middle East. The same thing was really happening in Taiwan, too, because uh, Taiwan could have been a democracy, but not after the Kuomintang installed themselves there. They, uh, they were really persecuting the Taiwanese. Um, there was a very good book written by, again, I think he was an American diplomat complaining about this. But but the diplomats were low level compared to this international uh, drug coalition, which it actually acquired a kind of structure. It started as the Asian People's Anti-Communist League, and then in 1966, Saudi Arabia came in and uh, with their money, and it became the World Anti-Communist League. And they became a problem even in America. They linked up with real fascists in Europe. And, um, and they, well, they were also involved in when in, the, in that period in the, under Carter when Stansfield Turner, uh, you know, he, he did things like fire uh, Ted Shackley and Ray Kleins and some of these worst the worst operators. Um, and the CIA Kleins was very Kleins was very close to the Asian People's Anti Communist League, and some people. Say he may have played a role in 
creating the World Anti-Communist League. Right. Howard Hunt down in Mexico did play a role in setting up the Latin American chapter of what became the World Anti-Communist League. Definitely he did. Right. And what I was what I was getting at is that when there was a pause uh, in the in the covert operations, you know, uh, system in the in the U.S. because of the, the investigations of Congress Turner, and yeah. Sansfield Turner and all that. Well, you had that coup, that coup in Bolivia, which is one of the more drug corrupted, you know, endeavors ever, mm-hmm. and it involves all these CI, these former CIA assets like the Moonies and the Anti Communist League and Klaus Barbie. But it was like they were able to go, they were able to operate and pull this off without the CIA doing it. So it was like the yeah. the, the spirit you, lived on. And that's contemporary with uh, Helms' being banished to Iran, which was a very strange place for Nixon to have banished him if Nixon really wanted to get him out of the picture, because the Safari Club was really the, the brains behind the, the brains behind the Safari Club, it was technically based in Kenya, was uh, the Shah and his intelligence people. And uh, Shackley, uh, I think, went to work for the Safari Club. So people, when they were being fired out of the CIA, uh, they went to the Safari Club and, in effect, not formally, but in, in practice, were back together again with Helms. 